Hi, it's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? My next guest is a professional comedian and inspirational speaker. I met her years ago when I saw her perform a fantastic show, and we stayed in touch since then. Her forte is the impromptu comedian-style performing routines off the top of her head by finding comedy in the immediate observation. Her quick wit affords her the opportunity to have a different performance at each event. Her name is Paquita Tynes, and she is a same-race adoptee with a story you won't soon forget. She is one of the who's who in the book, Finding Our Place, 100 Memorable Adoptees, Fostered Persons, and Orphanage Alumni, written by Nikki McCaslin, Richard Erlob, and Marilyn Krosky. Paquita is a published author of the book titled, Thank God I Was Adopted, because DNA is no joke, based on her memoirs and journey to how she found her biological family through DNA testing. She was raised in Hampton, Virginia, and graduated from Bethel High School. She was the first junior to hold the title of Miss Bethel High School. Paquita holds a master's degree in business administration and lives in Sacramento, California. Allow me to introduce you to someone who is smart, generous, and funny. And when you get the opportunity to see a performance by her, then you're in for a treat. Paquita Tynes. Paquita, how are you doing today? I am doing fine, Jennifer. So good to be connecting with you, girl. I know. And and when I think about you, I just remember first meeting you at an AAC conference. Yes. And, and we were just yes. talking about the very first one you did where you were a keynote was Denver. Denver. Denver was my first one. Yes. Yes. And then we would see each other again in Cleveland and San Francisco. But... Let's talk right. about, yeah, you being a keynote at the conference, and that was 2011. Yes, that was in 2011 in Denver, and it was my first AAC conference. And I, I didn't know what to expect. And since I am an impromptu comedian, I felt like I needed to go to this conference and just participate, you know, be a participant, not just a keynote speaker, because I needed to gather comedy material uh, from my observation of what was happening at the conference conference. And I remember going and checking in and someone gave me one of those, you know, your keynote speaker badge. And I was like, oh gosh, I really want a participant badge. So I walked around with two uh, badges on my neck (laughs) and also gave us a bag. And so when I went to the orientation uh, workshop, if you ask for anything, they say, oh, it's in the bag. You know, so someone asked for a pen. They're like, oh, it's in the bag. <laughs> someone sneezed and, and they needed a tissue. And the moderator in the room said, oh, it's in the bag. <laughs> I remember so, that. 
You remember? I do. I do. Yeah, it's in the bag. <laughs> when I went to, you know, keynote that Saturday night and I am coming up with material, I bought my bag on the stage with me and I said, you guys can ask me for anything. It's in the bag. People <laughs> fell on the floor. Because every workshop that you would attend, uh, it didn't matter what it was. The moderator would say, oh, yes, just check your bag for that information. It's right. in the bag. Right. So I, I do remember. I do remember Denver. And, and subsequently, I've attended a couple of other conferences uh, with AAC, you know, as a workshop moderator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that you know, I love. I love the adoption community. So, was that your first time in 2011 being connected to the adoption community? No, no, okay. no. Like, um, I had been a member of the board of directors for uh, one, you know, an adoption community in Denver, and I, I, I've been participating in the adoption world. Since, oh, since I was 19. And so that like, so I would say that was 100 years ago based <laughs> off of right now. And so, <laughs> and so by, you know, at 19, I always knew that I'm embarking as an adoptive person, right? As an adoptee. I'm embarking on something that is really completely different. And at that time, I'm 19. And I said, I need to connect with other people who are adopted. Mm-hmm. And they are searching for their biological connection. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I stayed in the world whenever I moved. Uh, like I went to Denver. The first thing I sought out was an adoption support group. I went to Las Vegas. First thing I did was seek out an adoptee support group. But I've always been into that adoptive uh, community and that adoptive world. That's cool. That's and, that's really that's good. Because I'm a comedian, my name kind of gets out. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. like okay. She's an adoptee. She lived in foster care. She was a late adoptee like I wasn't adopted until I was nine so uh and she's a comedian so it's kind of brings people want to like okay we need to talk to her we need to talk to her (laughs) (laughs) well that's why I'm so glad you're on this um podcast because your story is really something to hear and so wherever you want to start and however much you want to share. I was abandoned when I was about four or five years old. I didn't know when I was born, how old I was, what my real name is, or where I was from. Didn't know any information about myself. And I was abandoned at a shot house. And this is a place where you go drink liquor illegally. And so people would come to this house and whoever dropped my sister and I off at this house, the man said, and I thought he could have been my father. He said, I'm 
going to look for a job north. And he left us at this shot house with a lady by the name of Mama Nancy. And and Mama Nancy kept us for a couple of days, but this man never came back and she ended up keeping us for over a year. And someone came to her house and said, you know, Kitty Boo, because that was my nickname. So, you know, in communities, if you didn't have a nickname, people say you were not loved. So my <laughs> nickname was Kitty Boo. And is that you need to put Kitty Boo in school. So Mama Nancy takes me over to the nearest elementary school. And, you know, because uh, I'm not telling you my age, but back in... <laughs> Back in the dinosaur ages, you really didn't need to have all of these shots and vaccinations, et cetera, et cetera, to get in school. You could just say this child needs to be in school and they fill out some paperwork and you end up in school. And so when I get to my first grade teacher, her name was Miss Manley. Now, you know, I remember her name. I can't remember what happened yesterday, but I remember Miss Manley, my first grade school teacher. I remember my kindergarten teacher's name, too. I remember her so well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because those those were like our memorable days, like stuff that happened yesterday, not so memorable. You're like, you paid bills. You're like, okay, whatever. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. But but Miss Manley, she says to me, What is your name? And I say to Miss Manley, my name is Paquita. And she goes to the board. No, first she says, How do you spell it? And I was like, Well, I don't know how to spell it, but that is my name, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, Miss Manley knew that we we can't be calling you by your nickname, Kitty Boo. We need to get your real name. And I tell her, my name is Paquita. She goes to the board. She spells it P-E-K-I-T-T-A. And that is the way I have been spelling it ever since. So after first grade, I get into second grade. But then Mama Nancy's sewage is backed up. And when social services comes out to her house to, you know, fix the sewage, they want to know who are these two children at your house? She really couldn't explain who we were because, remember, we were just abandoned at her house and we were ended up being taken from her and we became wards of the state And now we are placed into a foster home. My second grade school teacher tells the third grade school teacher that I am in a foster home. And my third grade school teacher is Miss Times. Okay, she's not quite my teacher yet, but she will be my teacher if I get to the third grade. My last name now is times. So I was really adopted by my soon-to-be third-grade school teacher. But when she found out that I was in a foster home, she went over to social services to inquire about first being a foster parent. And then she says, well, no, I really don't want to be a foster parent because I don't want to take care of this child, these this child, Paquita, Kitty Boo, and someone knocks on the door and say, can I have my child back? So she inquired about adopting. And they tell her, 
you can't just adopt Paquita. You have to adopt her sister also. We know nothing about these two children and we cannot separate them. My mother, Miss Tynes, third grade school teacher, go home and tell her husband, hey, hey, I found out it's not just one kid, it's two of them, right? So they adopt us. And about 13 months later, my brother comes out of the womb. And so after 13 years of marriage, not being able to have children, now they have three children practically overnight. So that's kind of where my story begins. I I will tell you, a lot of times I share this because my parents, my parents was telling my brother when he was about five or six years old about his sisters being adopted. And my brother came to me and he said, you know, you was adopted, right? (laughs) You know you was an accident, right? (laughs) (laughs) But but really, I grew up in this wonderful, you know, household where there's a mom and a dad. And they kept, my mom is a PK kid, you know, a preacher's kid. So we were in church Monday through Sunday and, you know... (laughs) When I was writing my book, I'm like, I don't know how I got homework done. I don't even know because we were always in church. And there is where, you know, we participated in activities. You know, you learn to play the piano, you're crocheting. So they kept us very active and involved, right? But as you get older, and as most people know that's adopted, you always want to know where is your connection. Yes, I have a wonderful adopted family. I got a whole, you know, trillions of cousins. I'm I'm loved to the utmost, but I still want to know where I came from. Right. And is that I'm that is kind of my my beginnings where I don't have any information to go on. I have nothing. I, I just know I exist and that's it. I don't have a real Nikitty Boo. Come on now. That is not a real name. Paquita is the way I pronounce my name to my first grade teacher. Now, if that is what my name is, that's great. But when before my parents uh, could adopt us, they had to hire a lawyer to find out who we were. And there was nothing. They couldn't find any, you know, thousands of dollars later, you can't find nothing on these two children. So let me and, ask you this. Yes. Before your third grade teacher slash mother, before mm-hmm. adoption. Mm-hmm. What about celebrating birthdays? Was there oh, was no. there a date that just stuck? There was no date. So when I was adopted, my parents gave me their last name. They gave me a middle name, and my middle name is Selena. It's coming from my adopted father's nickname. His nickname is Sel, right? And so they just said, Selena will be my name. And they gave me a birth date. And so I, you know, the date that they gave me is my first celebration uh, of a birthday, right? So prior to that, there was no birthday celebrations that I could remember, right? So no so, 
this is your birthday before adoption. No. no. And how did, how did they, how did your parents come up with the date that would be considered your birthday? Well, because I have a sister, they figured that I was the oldest and that she was younger than me, but they didn't know how much younger. My mom, my dad, my nieces, a whole bunch of cousins, everybody's birthday is in May. My sister is named May, and they just made her birthday in May and then gave me August. So we're only nine months apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, one year we're all the same. We're, we're both the same age. But three months later, I turn another age. Okay. And that kind of how they just pulled it out of the random woodwork. Uh, you know, I, I find my biological family after 35 years of searching and my biological mother, when, when I found her, I said, oh, my goodness, I'm getting ready to find out from her when I was born. And when I asked her, Jennifer, so it's my birthday. She says, oh, I don't know. Hmm. I, Ooh, you talking about somebody who just wanted to fall on the floor yeah. and go. It's no way in the world I found you. It's no way in the world I found the right person. The person that I'm going to find would know when I was born. Right. All they were for to, is, is for me to ask them the questions so they can give me the answer. Right. He did know, Jennifer. So my brain, because of how I'm thinking all the time, I was like, well, was it cold outside? Right. Was it on the ground? Right. Um, like we could figure this out, yeah. Let us figure this out. <laughs> I, oh, I don't know. It's not a good answer. Wrong answer. Try again. Right. So I, I, I'm, I'm sitting. You know, just tell honestly, honestly, just telling you about it right now. My chest skipped a beat. It yeah, really, it, it does skip a beat because, because you don't forget. Like, because we both had children. Uh-huh. You don't forget that. Like, you know, how mm-hmm. do you forget that? You you just don't. Yeah. You just, you, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking you just. Right, right. My biological mother's name is on a birth certificate along with her boyfriend, even though her boyfriend is not my biological father, but his name is on there. And there is a date of August the 25th, but biological mother never put my name on my birth certificate. She didn't put my sister's name on the birth certificate. She had a kid before me. She never put our names on our birth certificates. And so if you if you ever go to Vital Records, you have so many ki- people who were born that their names do not exist on their records. Mm. So to this day, I'm still trying to figure out why in the era of time, biological mother would not put names on birth certificates. One of the things that I did learn was that we were born in a black hospital and they gave mothers the forms to take home and ask them to, you know, fill out the information and mail it back. And then they would document and, and fill in the birth certificate information. Biological mother apparently did not 
complete this paperwork uh, and, and send it back in. But for me, my birth date showed, and I believe it's me now. I don't know because my name isn't on there, but her name and her boyfriend's name was on there. August the 25th looks like the date that I was born. And guess who else was born on August the 25th? My son. Mm. All of these years, I'm celebrating his birthday. I'm actually celebrating mine also. But because the name isn't there, I, I honestly can't say that August the 25th is my birthday. But I celebrate on the date that my parents gave me, which is August the 12th. And when I tell you I celebrate, oh, I celebrate that day. <laughs> I celebrate Jennifer. I celebrate. Oh, what do you do? What, what, what kind of celebration? Smoke, I don't drink, don't do drugs. But when I tell you I like to travel, I love to travel. So anytime um, my birthday is coming up, you can almost bank. I'm, I'm, um, it took a while, took a long, 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 long time for me to get my passport. So I always travel somewhere in the United States because I enjoy the going. Mm -hmm. Now I have my passport, thanks to the Senator uh, Harry Reid in Las Vegas, who helped me get my passport, uh, I now travel abroad. And I've been to uh, Paris, Rome, uh, China, Australia. I went to Australia when I had some double-digit birthdays without telling you, telling you my, telling you my age all on the podcast. Well, you know, but, we're like we're right there at the same age now. I'm I'm starting to have a complex about my age because we're right there together. I I mean, <laughs> it's okay. You you know, look look, Jennifer. This this is the thing. I'm older than what I look. This, that, so that's how that works. Okay. <laughs> when, when I moved to uh, Sacramento, I just got, he made me, you know, it's been about a year now. And my neighbor who was, you know, kind of trying to flirt or, or just be a busy neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. Guy. Um, I, I got my mask on and he sees me outside and he's like, hey, hey. And then we have some chit chatty conversation. And then he says, um, so how's your husband? And and so I got my mask on. My facial expression is like, what, huh, what? Right. He, and so he sees this. And then he says, well, your boyfriend? I said, huh? What? Like, <laughs> dude, dude, really? What are you talking about? And then he doubles down, Jennifer, and he says, I saw the man go in your house with groceries. I said, my son. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you get ready to go with this. Everything he said after that, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> If you never ever speak to me again, right? <laughs> and, and 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 by this being my son, I was like, ooh, right. Like, ooh, ooh. So I go in the house. My son visits, right? He he's visiting. He is not living at my house. He's just visiting, and he eats differently than I do. So he always goes out and buys his food and brings it to my house. Okay, so so. When I get in the house, I was like, son, how did your age catch up with my age? <laughs> <laughs> and then 
I tell him what the neighbor says, and he said, ew. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've never had that experience. My son is 31, and I, okay. no, nothing comes close to what you're describing that I've experienced. You know, he's my son, and I'm like, if he getting old, then that might be a sign. I you think know, those are really cool compliments to you. Six. Yeah. It is. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I tell everybody, I had him when I was sick. <laughs> well, I, um, yeah, we did. We kind of got off uh, your stories in adoption world or adoptee land. I, I remember the going back to your mom, your birth mom. I remember watching the video on YouTube of your reunion. And it's still up there, right? It is. It is. It's on YouTube. It's called Paquita's Journey. P-E-K-I-T-T-A apostrophe S Journey. And it is the reunion that I finally got. You know, my schedule, you know, gets challenged. And that's what I always say. It's, it's a little challenge. Sometimes I, I put in too many things to do. I sometimes I just don't have time to do extra. So to see biological mother would have been extra for me, right? And I, I say to her, this is the time that I have available in my schedule. And I plan to, you know, get a flight from Las Vegas of and, you know, come out to visit you. And about two or three days before my flight is scheduled to leave, she calls and says she didn't think it was a good time. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and that she thought that she should meet my sister and I at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my sister lives three hours from you. I live three time zones from you. I really can't accommodate that type of schedule right now. Right. But she was very adamant about me not coming, me not coming to see her. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I call my adopted mom. I was like, Mom, she was like, uh, so my adopted mom says, does she not know your schedule? I'm like, apparently not. <laughs> so, you know, like everyone kind of knows Paquita's schedule gets challenged, okay? So I, I'm a little disappointed, right? I, I, I not, I'm not going to say a little. I was a lot disappointed. And then I call one of my girlfriends. Now, you know, I got girlfriends in that area, and every time I'm coming, they are getting away from their husbands. They like Paquita's in town. Like, we going to hang out with Paquita. Right. And I call her and I said, it doesn't look like I'm coming. She says, well, uh, Bakita, I've never known you to have someone else dictate your schedule. I was like, oh, my God, you are so right. Girl, I am on my way. <laughs> right. So 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 when I get there, I had already planned again to see my girlfriends, but I also had planned to see my biological father's side of the family he 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 passed away maybe three four years before I found biological family but his family 
was accepting me. They wanted to come meet me. They they wanted me to come visit with them. There is a biological father has a twin sister. She lives in North Carolina, but when I tell you she is the matriarch of that family, she is the matriarch of the family and whatever she she's the youngest and whatever she says do, that's what they do. She is now 88 years old, right? And she said, do not have that lady, I'm the lady, go driving all around trying to meet everybody. Y'all just meet at one house and let her come and see you all at one house. When I got there, everybody was there. I met two uncles. I had already talked to another uncle on the phone. I met some cousins. Um, They had dinner ready for me. So they were very receptive and it was no way in the world I could not come because biological mother is saying she wants to meet my sister and I at the same time. I meet my biological mother's brother and and they both have the same father and mother. So I meet him, but I, that visit, I did not meet my biological mother. I, I was reading some of my email and immediately uh, a email pops up and says flights from Las Vegas to Washington, D.C., 39 bucks, right? I was like, okay, okay. I look at the date and I was like, okay, I'm open on that date. I'm going to fly back to Washington, D.C. and I'm going to do a drive-by on my biological mother. Now, at first, right, I was doing courtesy. Hey, I can come and see you during this period of time, these couple of dates. This is what I got. I said, no, she's been in D.C. for a very, very long time. She might be used to a drive-by. So that's what I'm going to do. I called my DNA cousin, and he is the only person, the absolute, I didn't tell my adopted parents I was coming. I didn't tell nobody but my DNA cousin. And let's see, I was meeting him for breakfast when I flew in on Friday. And it it was a red-eye flight. It was a red-eye flight. And Thursday night, he came up with the idea to film our drive-by. And so that's where that video comes from. And it was really, truly his idea. And and, and for your for your podcast audience, if you watch that video, I, I tell you, it is, it, someone told me, Paquita, don't tell us to watch a video that we're going to need tissues for, because you you will probably, you know, feel that little sense of, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. But in that video, Jennifer, if you remember, there was someone else that came through the lobby and that person was actually looking for their biological mother. And they had found out that they were living, that they were living in that senior citizens building. And it's at the same time I'm meeting my biological mother. Yeah, and I so remember that. Yes. That, that's the part of the videos like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's now, a powerful, powerful video. And I will definitely include it in the show notes. 
good. Now, I will tell you the other thing that was what happened was my sister, who lives three hours away, had not met biological mother, but she had been talking to her on the phone. My sister's children said, Mom, for Mother's Day, we're going to take you to visit your biological mother. And they plant, they plant, her children planned everything. And she was there, right, when I flew in. Because I never told, remember, I didn't tell nobody. And so my biological mother got her whoosh. She met both of us basically at the same time, coming from different places. But she knew my she didn't know that my sister was coming, but my sister kind of showed up. And then a couple of days later, you know, I show up. So the biological mother got her wish. It was just a little different than what she had expected. I told her I was going to have a package delivered to her house. And she told the security people down, you know, in the lobby area, um, just just have that. My, my daughter is going to have a package delivered. I'm just send it up. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, no. Nah. Right. So that's why you in the lobby of the because uh, uh, she was insisting that security just bring the package up right and the security can't pick me up and bring me up to the I'm so glad you your cousin and I, I do want to spend at least a few minutes talking about him because he's a genealogist right he, he is yeah now. and so for him to, to have that forethought yeah he was in law enforcement that's right yeah, yeah, the was. investigator. Oh. Yeah, and so he did a, a an amazing job helping you with yes, your search. Yeah, his biological mother is connected to him, and and he was the one that helped me find her. Mm-hmm. And by her not having information or, you know, just had suppressed so much information, I'm like, little lady, you're going to need to take a DNA test. That's what I'm going to send to your house is a <laughs> DNA test. I don't need because you don't have no information. I think we need to find out, have you spent in the tube to see if you really are my mother? And lo and behold, she really is. Mm-hmm. She really is. And and the work that he put into that, the effort, let's just give a shout out to him because he embraced you. Um, he really upon did. you and meeting him, yeah. He has now written a book. He has also he wrote the foreword to um, my book, also. So let's talk about your book. Your title. Thank God, I was adopted because <laughs> DNA is no joke. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this, is, this is how it went. You know, when I did that drive by on her. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I drive three hours. I go stay at my it was it was like a full day. And I say full day, full day, red eye flight, drive by, you know, driving three hours, get to my biological to my adopted parents' house, right? And I put my head on the pillow about eleven thirty at night. And when I woke up, you know, after being in a coma, I, I woke up and I began to think about the events that had happened the day before. And uh, while I had been writing this book, I had, oh gosh, maybe 15, 16 titles for the book. But that morning when I woke up, 
my spirit says the book title is going to be saying, God, I was adopted because <laughs> DNA is no joke. <laughs> I know while I was reading it, I was like, this is so good. So I um, definitely want to um, include that in the show notes that people get a copy of your book. Definitely. Amazon.com. It is an ebook. When I go out to speak, I do bring hard copies with me, you okay. know, paper hard copies with me when I'm speaking. Uh, so, uh, yes, the, the book was originally uh, written and I had been talking about some things that I had done, some places, <laughs> places I went that I probably shouldn't have done. Uh, but it was, you know, it's a lot of the comedy ventures that I'd been on, that type of thing. And then I started, you know, talking about some travel, uh, did a lot about my son. And when my biological family, uh, the old, there's an oldest sister that my biological mother has. And the first thing she wanted to do was sue me. And I was like, okay, okay, what, wait, wait, what's happening here? Like, you don't even know me. This day I have not ever met her. I've spoken to her on the phone once or twice, but don't know her. But your thought is to sue me because if I use your name in the book, then that's what you can do is sue me. And so I, I revamped the book and made it really telling my story, but I had to change all the names so no one would think that I'm talking about them. Right. I'm glad you shared that because I get a lot of questions from adoptees who do want to tell their stories. They want to write and publish. And mm -hmm. those are their concerns. Just, yeah. yeah, just what is going to keep them from being sued. One of the things that I learned, and I'm glad I learned it, was you have to tell your story. When you're writing, you must tell your story. You can't tell someone else's story while you're telling your story. Mm -hmm. so, so, but you can speak about it all day. You can speak about someone's story all day. But you can't put it on paper. So a lot of my inspiration comes from songs, right? So, you know, people ask me, Paquita, what just keeps you going? And I'm like, songs. Well, when I go to write down my songs, and these are the words in the song that inspire me and keep me going, I would have to pay the writer for writing his words or her words in my book for the song that inspires me. Right. Right. So you have to be very careful with that. With my biological mother, I wanted to know how did we get taken from her? So she had a kid before me. The, and then it was me, then it was my sister, and then it was a boy. And when she was pregnant with the boy, she says to her boyfriend, I think we ought to get married. And so he says, okay, they get married. She changes her name on her ID, social, et cetera, et cetera. And a couple of weeks later, she receives a notice in the mail that her marriage was null and void because he was already married. Mm. So that's the, you know, that's not my story, though. That's her story. Mm -hmm. 
right? And so he uh, finds, she, she said she packs up all of our stuff and we move to a girlfriend's house. He, boyfriend, finds her at the girlfriend's house and said, you can't leave me. She said that was the straw that had broken the camel's back for her, right? He's married. So uh, he says, I'm going to take the girl. She says, go ahead, take them. Where are you going to take them? To your wife, right? So he takes us, puts us in a car, and drives three hours away and drops us off at the shot house. So that now, so that man back when was, in fact, your biological dad? He was not. Okay. He was my sister's biological father. Okay. He was also uh, her brother's biological but he wasn't mine. Okay. But his name showed up on my birth certificate because a biological mother said they would, you know, get together, break up, they get together. He was abusive. He drank a lot, you know. Right. Uh, you know how real relationships happen. And so in between, she worked with my biological father. And she says that she went over his house she, she had a second job. She had a second job near where he lived. It's, you know, just one of those couple of times produced me. Right. That's all it would take. That, there you go. <laughs> just one time. Just one of those, you know, you know you're smooching on the couch or right. whatever. You, and she did not realize, right, until I found her and told her, who my father was. She did not know that he was my father. Oh, I see. That her boyfriend was my father. Right. You know, I, I have a, a common, common uh, surname from biological families of Barnes, right? And she immediately said, I don't even know no Barnes. <laughs> I was like, everybody knows a Barnes. Is Winston <laughs> Barnes? You say everybody knows. Well, I was just thinking. I do. I know about three or four right off the top of my head. Thank you, Jennifer. It's a common name. And the first, I don't even know no barn. And then seven days later, she tells me that what I just told you. Right. Right. I went over his house a couple of times, and well, one of those couple of times. But you know, it's funny. I do believe. For all of us, we repress things for whatever reason. It's like it, it gets, yeah, it gets it's, really repressed. Yes. And and one of the things about writing a book, Jennifer, is it, 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 a lot, a lot of feelings and emotions and things that you had never dealt with before starts coming up. Yes. And you now have to really deal with with that feeling. And he's like, where is that coming from? I'm, I'm a true believer. Everybody, whether you're going to get it published or not, you should write your story. You mm-hmm. should write your story and you will find that you get a lot of relief from that. I, I was writing in my book, The Myth of the School, but I was the first 11th grader and I was the first black person. So in that era of time, we were called black. Now we're called African-American, right? And while we were in dress rehearsals, there was a little poster board placed up all around the green room that there was going to be a party for the winner. 
And lo and behold, I was the winner. And my parents really didn't let me go to parties, but I was like, mom, the party is for the winner. I'm the winner. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she, she took me to the party. When I get to the party and I knock on the door, they was like, what are you doing here? Mm. But it, it, the party's for the winner. I, I, I'm the winner. When I say I didn't know how that one great moment, it was really a good moment, right? An exciting moment. Uh, it was different for my school. It was something that, you know, I'd worked hard to do. And here people are saying I wasn't supposed to win. Like this black girl is not supposed to win the miss of the school in this predominantly white school had no idea how it affected me until I started writing it down. It took about three months for me to really adjust to that information, really uh, identify my feelings, and then go back to writing the book. Mm, I'm glad you shared that because that, yeah, like I felt that. Yes. And and there are a lot of things that, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, people tell stories and, and, and it's been true fabrications and they really don't even know what the truth is anymore because they've been fabricating it, you know, things so long. And that's the same way we suppress mm-hmm. so much information because of errors of time in which we live. Mm-hmm. Right. Ain't no black girl supposed to be winning. And, and no, we don't want you at the party mm. because we're supposed to be winning. Right. right? We're winning. How'd you show up? Right. So I, 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 I don't know. That takes a while. And there were other things that I was writing about. It's not necessarily in the book, but I now have to deal with them. Mm-hmm. I, deal with them and now my book is for you to read it it's a quick easy read and it's just to inspire you to encourage you that a person that did not have any information whatsoever was able to locate a biological connection mm-hmm. yeah you're right yeah your journey is so inspiring your story is just truly inspiring and from the moment that I met you like you just have this beauty, this light, um, in spite of your beginnings. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and I, I'm a true believer in spite of in spite of what's going on in your life. Look forward, right? Look for the light ahead. You you will see it, but don't keep don't waddle, don't waddle in. <laughs> in the mud because you will get lost you will get lost and I'm glad you said that I really want you know my light to shine so other people will experience joy too well it does thank you Jennifer it does and that's how I I think because I'm always seeking well the truth but I'm also seeking it's like a lifelong journey I'm seeking the light I'm seeking the light in others because I know it yeah. makes me a better person. And I know that that, that mm-hmm. has everything to do with why we stayed in contact, in touch all yeah. these years. I mean, we may not talk often, oh. but, but when we mm-hmm. do, it's like we pick right up. And like when we, when yeah. we were talking earlier about 
I knew about when we met and what AAC conference. I'm like, I know it was more than one. And I always look forward to seeing you there, you know. You are always trying to help somebody. You will refer someone to me and we get to talk the one-on-one with them because you will say, you know what? Don't get too lost. I'm going to put you in contact (laughs) with somebody I know. And then you'll call me and you'll say, Paquita, you have time. Right. to talk to you. (laughs) And I often wonder, do I overstep? But when people share parts of their journey with me, when they reach out to me, complete strangers, but they're adoptees, I think of the people I know. And I think of the people that would be giving, would be generous, would be say, yeah, I got, I got time to talk to this adoptee. So um, I thank you for that, for, for being, being generous that way. Yeah. And, and when you refer someone to me and I talk to them, they was like, I'm so glad <laughs> I got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Go it. You know what I mean? They were spiraling. They were spiraling yes. for because they weren't quite understanding and now you know they was like and you were in what position you were right (laughs) oh okay then my stuff isn't as bad as i thought it was they feel some relief yeah they 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 feel some relief and that's what it's about yes and i know that when we give we get it back like that's just how it works that's why it's not it's not hard for me to kind of live life that way Cause mm-hmm. I need I need as much as anybody else. Like I, you know, I, I'm healing, I'm learning, and so it is. It's just a give and take. Yep, it is a journey, and the moment you stop learning, oh well. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, every day I'm learning something. Every day, so I appreciate that, Jennifer, and I am available. You know, and again, I, I always say my schedule does get challenged, but there's certain things that I know I have to take time out for. And that is if I can help somebody else through the journey where they're they're struggling and they don't quite understand what is happening, then please let me be available. Peter, make yourself available. Uh, I, I didn't tell you this earlier, Jennifer, but... For my adopted family, we like, honestly, these are some wholesome people, right? And so when I was looking for my biological connection, my biological father had a lot of brothers and they, they had, you know, some relationships inside and outside of marriages and some children inside and outside of marriages. And when I approached my adopted family I was like look is there anybody that has had children inside and outside the marriage and my mom said no she said no and then she said you know what you know husband and wives they you know they have relationships and some things we right we we're family but we may not necessarily know what's going on in their households and in the last oh gosh eight months I have my cousins from my adopted family uh they now have first cousins showing up and we are going okay whose child is this and who do you think your daddy is and who are you looking because they're now some kin to us and they call me up and they said paquita what do we do what what do we do 
we don't we never have had someone come out of the woodwork and our uncle is their father to embrace those people now that have come to our family that we didn't even know existed because you know one of my mom's uncle brothers brothers um, they're now deceased and so we now you know embrace them but my cousins that I grew up with call me and say hey Paquita what do we do what what what, what do we do they exist and we never knew about them so mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna have a lot of different surprises. That's what I think you have some surprises and and you have to be able to deal with it. And then you that's when you go to like Jennifer. You go and ask, hey, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want a person to feel rejected, right? Like we didn't know you exist, but now that you showed up in our DNA, we're gonna ignore you. Right. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. And I think the adoption community will start to see people outside of the community, meaning not a part of the constellation, start listening to us because I think all families have secrets and all families deal with the, the things that go on that they didn't know about for decades. And now they're confronted with it. And as more people take DNA tests and find out that Mm -hmm. so-and-so wasn't really their biological father and so forth and so on coming to the community, because we we're dealing with these issues kind of from a different perspective, but we, we have so much to offer. Yeah. For people that come to learn these things, these discoveries that are mind blowing, because we're like, yeah, it is kind of mind blowing, you know, not to be with your who you thought was a part of your family tree or part of your family origin. Yeah. Yeah. I have a half brother. I'm okay then. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, I really want to honor your time and so in closing, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to leave with the adoption community, adoptees in particular? Just honestly, be true to yourself. Once you're true to yourself, you can be true to other people. Tell your story. Write it down. You are an inspiration to someone. You have a testimony that will encourage someone, that is going to inspire someone, that is going to provide them with uh, some type of hope. Uh, I also like to say that all relationships, all relationships, uh, have their ups and their downs, the goods and the bad, but we're going to deal with whatever comes we want to deal with it in truth if you know uh, a truth and you haven't told it maybe maybe just maybe it's a good time (laughs) that's what i got jennifer (laughs) oh i like that so much and i just thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me pleasure thank you for having this platform you are awesome we know that we know that you are awesome and appreciate you appreciate you Paquita and I have gone months and sometimes years without chatting or seeing one another but when we do it's like we haven't missed a beat she makes me feel seen and I believe I do the same for her She always has great ideas for me to be at my best. 
that's priceless. For example, when I was preparing to launch my podcast last year, she listened to my trailer and suggested that I include a snippet of my audio drama so the audience would have some idea of what they were going to experience. That idea was brilliant and a big hit for listeners. Paquita is always willing to lend an ear to what I'm working on and give me constructive feedback. Every person deserves someone in their life who they trust and cares about their success. Paquita in this episode shared her sad feelings being activated from a past life event during the course of writing her book. It is further proof that I subscribe to as one of the big reasons why writing a memoir can be a healing experience. Putting a story on paper and not necessarily publishing it is an opportunity to review those times in our life that may still be a wound that once examined closely can become a scar. I like knowing how she was proactive when relocating to a new state. She found the adoption community in whatever area she took up residency. Being intentional about being connected with other adoptees sooner rather than later creates the chance to be empowered from wherever we are on a path of our journey. Thank you again, Paquita, for taking the time to have a conversation with me. I know we have many more fantastic chats with one another ahead of us. In the world of boxing, the term corner man is that person who encourages, uplifts, edifies, and tells the boxer what he needs to do to win the match. I see you, Paquita, as my corner person, and for that, I thank you so much. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash adopteeland. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community.